Percy Jackson and the Olympians The Sea of Monsters by Rick Book 2 Chapter 4 Tyson Plays with Fire Mythology speaking, if there's anything I hate worse than trios of old ladies, it's bulls. Last summer, I fought the Minotaur on top of Halfwood Hill. This time, what I saw up there was even worse. Two bulls, and not just regular bulls, bronze ones the size of elephants, and even that wasn't bad enough. Naturally, they had to breathe fire too. As soon as we exited the taxi, the Grey Sisters peeled out heading back to New York, where life was safer. They didn't even wait for the extra three drachma payment. They just left us on the side of the road. Annabeth with nothing but her backpack and knife, Tyson and me still in our burned up tie-dye gym clothes. Oh man, said Annabeth, looking at the battle raging on the hill. What worried me most weren't the bulls themselves, or the ten heroes in full battle armor who were getting their bronze-plated booties whooped. What worried me was the bulls were ranging all over the hill, even around the backside of the pine tree. That shouldn't have been possible. The camp's magic boundaries didn't allow monsters to cross past Dahlia's tree. But the metal bulls were doing it anyway. One of the heroes shouted, Border Patrol to me! A girl's voice, gruff and familiar. Border Patrol, I thought. The camp didn't have a border control. It's Clarice, Anna said. Come on, we have to help her. Normally rushing to Clarice's aid would not have been high on my to-do list. She was one of the biggest bullies at camp. The first time we'd met, she tried to introduce my head to a toilet. She was always the daughter of Ares, and I'd had a very serious disagreement with her father last summer. So now the god of war and all his children basically hated my guts. Still, she was in trouble. Her fellow warriors were scattering, running, in panic. As the bulls charged, the grass was burning in huge swaths around the pine tree. One hero screamed and waved his arms as he ran in circles. The horsehair plumed on his helmet, blazing like a fiery mohawk. Clarice's own armor was charred. She was fighting with a broken spear shaft. The other end was embedded, usually in the metal joint of one of the bull's shoulder. I uncapped my bullpoint pen. It shimmered, growing longer and heavier until I held the bronze sword, Aclumos, in my hand. Tyson, stay here. I don't want you taking any more chances. No, Annabeth said. We need him. I stood at her. He's mortal. He got lucky with the dodgeball, but he can't. Pussy, do you know what those are up there? The clock is bulls made by Hephaestus himself. We can't fight them with Medusa's sunscreen SPF 50,000. We'll get burned to a crisp. Medea's... Medusa's what? Annabeth vomits through her backpack and cursed. I had a jar of tropical coconut scent sitting on my nightstand at home. Why didn't I bring it? I learned a long time ago not to question Annabeth too much. It made me more confused. Look, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm not going to let Tyson, my friend, Percy, Tyson, stay back. I raised my sword. I'm going in. Tyson tried to protect 
tried to protest, but I was already running up the hill towards Clarice, who was yelling at her patrol, trying to let them into the Fanlax formation. It was a good idea. The few who were listening lined up shoulder to shoulder, locking their shoulders, locking their shields to form an arc, hide and bronze wall, their spears bristling on the top leg. Poor Cube quote. Unfortunately, Clarice could only master six campers. The other four were still running around with their helmets on fire. Annabeth ran towards them, trying to help. She taunted one of the bulls into chasing her, then turned invisible, completely confusing the monster. The other bull charged Clarice's line. I was halfway up the hill, not close enough to help. Clarice hadn't even seen me yet. The bull moved deadly fast for something so big. Its metal hind gleamed in the sun. It had the first size rubies for eyes and horns of polished silver. When it opened a hinged mouth, a column of white-hot flame blasted out. Hold the line, Clarice ordered her warrior. Whatever else you could say about Clarice, she was brave. She was a big girl with cruel eyes like her father's. She looked like she was born to wear Greek battle armor. But I didn't see how she could send against that bull's charge. Unfortunately, at that moment, the other bull lost interest in finding Annabeth. It turned wheeling around behind Clarice on her unprotected side. Behind you, I yelled, look out! I shouldn't have said anything because all I did was startle her. Bull number one crashed into her shield and the parallax broke. Clarice went flying backwards and landed in a smoldering patch of grass. The bull charged past her and not before blasting the other heroes with its fiery breath. Their shields melted right off their arms. They dropped their weapons and ran as bull number two closed in on Clarice for the kill. I lunged forward and grabbed Clarice by the scraps of her armor. I dragged her out of the way as the bull number two fight trained past. I gave it a good swipe with riptide and cut a huge gas in its flank, but that monster just creaked and groaned and kept on going. It hadn't touched me, but I could feel the heat of its metal skin. Its body temperature could have microwaved a thousand frozen burritos. Let me go, Clarice pummeled my hand. Percy, curse you! I dropped her in a heap next to the pine tree and turned to face the bull. We were on the inside of slope of the hill now. The valley of Camp Half-Blood directly below up. The cabins, the training facilities, the big house, all of it at risk of the, if these bulls got past us. Amber shouted orders to the other heroes, telling them to spread out and keep the bulls distracted. Bull number one ran a wide arc, making its way past, making it back towards me as it passed the middle of the hill where the invisible boundary line should have kept it out. It slowed down a little, as if it was struggling against a strong wind, but then it broke through and kept coming. Bull number two turned to face me, fire sputtering from the gas. I'd cut in its side. I couldn't tell if it felt any pain, but its ruby's eyes seemed to glare at me like I just made things personal. I couldn't fight both bulls at the same time. I'd have to take down bull number two. First cut its head off before bull number one charged back into veins. My arms already felt tired. I realized how long it had been since I worked out with Riptide. 
how out of practice I lunged at bowl number two. Blue flames at me, I rolled aside. The air turned to pure heat. All the oxygen was sucked out of my lungs. My foot caught on something, a tree root maybe, and pain shot at my ankle. Still, I managed to slash my sword and loop off part of the monster's snout. It galloped away, wild and disorientated, but before I could feel too good about that, I tried to stand, and my left leg buckled under me. My ankle was sprained, maybe broken. Bone number one charged straight towards me. No way could I crawl out of its path. Amber shouted, Tyson, help him! Somewhere near, towards my crest of the hill, Tyson wailed, Can't get through! I, Amber, should give you permission to enter camp. Thunder shook the hillside. Suddenly, Tyson was there, bailing towards me, yelling, Pussy needs help! Before I tell him no, he dived between me and the bull, just as it unleashed a nuclear firestorm. Tyson, I yelled, the blast swirled around him like a red tornado. I could only see the black silhouette of his body. I knew with horrible certainty that my friend had just been turned into a column of ashes. But when the fire died, Tyson was still standing there, completely unharmed. Not even his grungy clothes were swords. The bulls must have been surprised, as I was, because before he could unrelease a second blast, Tyson balled his fist and slammed them into the bull's face. Bad cow! His fist made a crater where the bronze bull's snout used to be. Two small columns of flame shot out of its ears. Tyson hit it again. The bronze crumbled under his hands like aluminum foil. The bull's face was now like a soft puppet, pulled inside out. Down, Tyson yelled. The bull staggered and fell on its back. Legs moved feebly in the air, steam coming out of its ruined head in odd places. Annabeth ran over to check on me. My ankle felt like it was filled with acid. But she gave me some Olympian nectar to drink from her canteen, and I immediately started to feel better. There was a burning smell that I later l- learned was me. The hair on my arms had been completely singed off. The other bull, I asked, and I pointed down the hill. Chris had taken care of the bad cow number two. She impaled it through the back leg with a sexual bronze spear. Now with its snout half gone and a huge gas in its side, it was trying to run in slow motion, going in circles like some kind of merry-go-round animal. Clarice pulled off her helmet and marched towards me. A strand of her stringy brown hair was smoldering, but she didn't seem to notice. You ruined everything, she yelled at me. I had it under control. I was too stunned to answer. Annabeth grumbled, Good to see you too, Clarice. Ugh! Clarice screamed, Don't ever try to come save me again! Clarice, Annabeth said, You got, you got wounded campers. That sobered her up. Even Clarice cared about the soldiers under her command. I'll be back, she growled, then turns off to assess the damage. I stared at Tyson. You didn't die! Tyson looked down like he was embarrassed. I'm sorry, came to help, disobeyed you. My fault, Amos said. I had no choice. I had to let Tyson cross the boundary line to save you, otherwise you would have died. Let him cross the boundary line, I asked. But Percy, she said, have you ever looked 
at Tyson closely, I mean, in the face, ignore the mist and really look at him. The mist makes humans see only what their brains can process. I knew it could fool demigods too, but I looked Tyson in the face. It wasn't easy. I always had trouble looking directly at him, though I never quite understood why. I thought it was just because he always had a peanut butter in his crooked teeth. I focused myself to focus at his big lumpy nose, then a little higher at his eyes. No, not eyes. One eye, one large calf brown eye right in the middle of his forehead, with thick glasses and a big tears trickling down his cheek on either side. Tyson, I stammered. You're Cyclops, Annabeth offered. A baby by the looks of it. By the looks of him, probably why he couldn't get past the boundary line as easily as the bulls. Tyson's one of the homeless orphans. One of the what? There's almost all the big cities, said distastefully. They're mistakes, Percy. Children of nature, spirits, and God. Well, one God in particular, usually. And they don't always come out right. No one wants them. They get tossed aside. They go up wild on the streets. I don't know how this one found you, but he obviously likes you. We should take him to Kylan. Let him decide what to do. But the fire, how? He's a cyclops, Annabeth paused, as if she were remembering something unpleasant. They work the forges of the gods. They have to be immune to fire. That's what I was trying to tell you. I was completely shocked. How had I never realized what Tyson was? But I didn't have much time to think about it just then. The whole side of the hill was burning. Wounded heroes needed attention. And there was still two banged up bronze bowl to dispose of, which I didn't figure would fit in our normal recycling bins. Clarice came back over and wiped the soot off her forehead. Jackson, if you can get up, we need to carry the wounded back to the big house. Let Tantulus know what happened. Tantulus? The activities director, Clarice said impatiently. Karen is the activities director. And where's Argus? He's head of security. He should be here. Clarice made a sour face. Argus got fired. You two have been gone too long. Things are changing. But Chiron, he trained kids to fight monsters for over 3,000 years. He can't just be gone. What happened? That happened, Clarice snapped. She pointed to Thalia's tree. Every camper knew the story behind the tree. Six years ago, Grover, Annabeth, and two other demigods named Thalia and Luke came to Camp Halfwood, chased by an army of monsters. When they got cornered on top of the hill, Thalia, a daughter of Zeus, had made her last stand here to give her friends time to reach safety. As she was dying, her father Zeus took pity on her and changed her into a pine tree. Her spirit had reinforced the magic borders of the camp, protecting it from monsters. The pine had been here ever since, strong and healthy, but now its needles were yellow. A huge pile of dead once littered the base of the tree in the center of the trunk. A meter from the ground was a puncture mug the size of a bullet hole oozing green sap. A silver of ice ran through my chest. Now I understood why the camp was in danger. The magical borders were failing because Stalia's tree was dying. Someone had poisoned it.